Pastor Appreciation Sunday. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I think all throughout the month we've honored Sister uh, Carol and Brother Don, and, and, and quite frankly, I think we're a church that honors them year-round. You know, it's one thing to set aside one day as we should, but I think you really show whether it's a, 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 a wife-husband relationship, whether it's your parents to your, to your children, children to parents, we show that love every day year in and year out. And I can say wholeheartedly that Bethel is that type of church. But they're easy to love. They've been very faithful. They've been a blessing to many of us. They've been a blessing to my family. And so today we're here to honor them. And it's my privilege to share the message with you this morning. But before I do, as Pastor Don sets as the pastor, he sets as the leader of this church. And you know, prior to getting involved in the ministry, prior to getting involved in in, uh, the administration of church, Much like maybe you, I thought I walked into a church on whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but particularly Sunday morning. And those things that happened up here, praise and worship and offering and and the pastor preaching the message, I thought that just happened. Not until I got involved in this did I realize the actual work and the people that go to make what happens here on Sunday morning happen. It's a lot. And it's not for performance. It's not for... Uh, for us to look good, it's to, it's to lead people, it's to set a stage for us as this local body of believers to come and come into a mindset of worship. But it takes a lot of people. And this morning, I just wanted to recognize the leadership of our church and those who've worked so hard over the years. Uh, we have Brother John and Jan Savars here with us from Greensboro, and they've been a faithful part of this church for a long, long time, and they always come on Pastor Appreciation and, and other services. Wish you live closer, but it's always, it's always good to see you. So I'm just going to ask a few people, and, and then ultimately it's probably going to end up in everyone because everyone has a part in our church. And uh, I want to recognize uh, Brother Matt Fisher. If you'll stand, Brother Matt leads our praise and worship uh, leader uh, ministry. If you'll remain standing. There's a lot that comes up underneath that. And as these leaders lay, uh, stand, there's a lot up underneath them. There's, there's the sound booth. There's, there's all kinds of the multimedia, which my wife's part, all that comes up underneath that. But... He comes on Friday, takes half a day, he comes here. I'm going to brag on him a minute. He fasts that day, and he gets the worship set ready. Because, church, we, what we do here is not to entertain. I know that it is to worship. He does that, and he does that well. And that, that's for him and everyone involved with his ministry. Angela and Jeremy Fisher, are they here, or did they go out with the children? They went out. Okay. Most of you know Angela. They've been faithful, faithful to the children's ministry a long time. And uh, what I'm going to do now, if you're, a part of the, if you're in any way a part of the music ministry stand that works with Matt, music ministry at all, okay, if, you're any part of, if you've ever been a part of the children's ministry, if you'll stand. And so you see how many people it takes to, to run these ministries that we do. You can be seated. Brother Michael and Christy Bitt, Britt, will you stand up? Yeah, I know you're just sitting down. Michael is our youth pastor, and that's his wife. And They've been so faithful to that, and Michael does so much, and then we get Christy uh, uh, as a bonus, and we just love them and what they do for this church. Brother Dan Saldana, Brother Dan runs the missions, he runs the pastoral care. If you're here and you're part of the pastoral care team, who all is part of the pastoral care? If you'll stand up, pastoral care. These people are the ones who reach out to those in, in our church, and you should be part of a pastoral care group. Uh, Sister Antoinette, Sister Antoinette is one of our pulpit ministers. Brother Todd Going. Brother Todd Going is one of our pulpit and Wednesday night teachers. 
And if you're here and you've ever volunteered for anything in this church, I want you to stand. Anything ever. You've ever volunteered for anything. Everybody, if you've volunteered for anything ever, stand. In the history of this church, you've done anything. Praise God. This is what it takes to run a church, folks. And some of you are new to our church, and uh, we want you to get plugged in as well because it takes everyone to do what we do here. And, and I want to thank you for many years of faithful service to our congregation. Many of you give. Church, much of what we do in this church can't be done without finances. No church can do anything without finances. And so your giving is important, and we just thank you. And I can tell you, as Pastor Don and Sister Carol watch, each of you stand. That is a testament to show your pastor and your, and your pastor's wife that you love them, that you're really willing to work in their church and come along beside them. And so, God bless you. A second grade teacher gave an assignment to her class to the students to bring an item from home that represented their religious background. She wanted to teach the kids about diversity in the world, about worshiping God. At show and tell time, they began to share what their particular item meant to their faith. A Catholic child brought some rosary beads and shared with the class how they could use the beads in prayer. There was a Native American child who brought a dream catcher. He told the class how to place dream catchers above their head to capture their dreams that they had in the night. It would filter out the bad ones and hold the good dreams in their memory. A Jewish child brought a candle and shared it, how it was used to celebrate Hanukkah. One kid pulled some food out of his bag. He said, I'm a Christian and I brought a chicken casserole. If there's anything that we as Christians can get united in, it's around food. It's a chicken casserole. It's a banana pudding. And I don't think we'll have chicken casserole, but we're going to have chicken and barbecue after this is over. It, we, we have catered in a lunch. We hope all of you will stay. Maybe you came today. Maybe you visited. You didn't realize it was Past Appreciation Sunday. Maybe you didn't realize that we had a, a nice catered meal, but you do now. So we need all of you to stay because we don't want any food left over. So is everybody going to stay and eat with us? Amen. Okay. But if there's any one thing that we can get unified around, it is, seems that in the Christian church it is food. But how many of you know that's not really what we should be unified around? We should be unified around Jesus Christ. And as I started to think about what I was going to preach on, on on Pastor Appreciation Day, I had initially thought about maintaining the legacy of truth that was passed to Pastor Don from Pastor Holder and making sure he knows that the legacy of the truth of God's Word and who Christ is will be passed on from generation to generation. But I just couldn't get out of my mind this idea of unity, the idea of unity. So this morning, for the next few minutes, I'll speak to you about the blessing of unity. And the verse that I will use to start off is Psalm 133. Psalm 1 and 33 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, Running down on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing forevermore. The psalmist said it is like the precious oil upon the head. If you know anything about the oil in the Old Testament, it is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Aaron the priest, he said, it's like the Holy Spirit coming down upon me when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for a church that is unified. I thank you for the blessing of unity that we sense here in this place. And I pray, Lord God, that as I handle your precious holy word, Lord, that there be open the hearts of the hearers to hear it. And God, if there's one here who doesn't know you, that through 
the praise and worship today through my words that will come from you. God, they'll come to know you as Savior. In Christ's name, amen. There's nothing more powerful witness in the world and our culture than the unity of the body of the local believers. You look around today, you see people divided, you see people hollering and screaming at each other. But there is no more powerful witness, I think, for the Lord Jesus Christ than the unified body of Jesus Christ. Unity is defined as being in harmony or in one spirit. And as I looked, as you looked around, as so many people stood up, we saw people of different races, different sexes, different ages, and what I see, and as I look out among this body of Christ, what I like to see, I love to see that. Because what I'm seeing is diversity. I'm seeing the kingdom of God, as we're going to see it when we gather one day around the throne. And you look at so many people, and you come from so many di different backgrounds. Your background's different from mine. Mine's different from yours. How can we come together? What is it that makes us come together and be a strong, unified voice for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it would be our unity. And so many times what happens is we come in and we see the body of Christ get divided over things that really don't matter. We all have opinions on things and that's okay. That's what makes, that's what makes us discuss things like the length of our service. What, what should our music be like? And you see people, these discussions are had not just at Bethel, but in churches across the nation. How do we transition from praise and worship to offering time? How long should the sermon be? How should a children's ministry be run? What kind of music do I like? What kind of music don't I like? We all have those opinions. But those are things that are sidebar, extraneous issues that really should be set aside when we come together to glorify and worship Christ. Those are not things to divide us, but so many times you do see people divided. They get divided over those issues. But I want to take a look at three things that I think if we stay focused in on, those things will not divide us. And the first one is the source of our unity. The source of our unity. The source of our unity first is the prayers of Christ himself. If you look at John chapter 17 and verse 20, and before I read this passage of scripture, I want to tell you a little bit about John 17. John prays three prayers in, the, in chapter 17. The first prayer, he prays for himself. Jesus knows he's about to be arrested. He knows what's awaiting him. He's going to be crucified, and he prays. And first, he prays for himself. Next, he prays for his disciples. But in this passage of Scripture, we're going to look as Jesus prayed for you and for me. He's praying for the future believers. And this is what he says. He says, I do not pray for these alone. That's referring to his disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's me and you. And this is what he prays. That they will be one. Now, I found that interesting as I read that, and I thought, you know, the first thing Jesus prayed for me and for you was not that we would be healed, not that there would be signs and wonders amongst us, not all these things like this. He prayed that we would be unified. And I thought about that. I thought, why would you pray, Lord, just that we would be unified? And we'll see as we get down into the early church because if we want to see things happen, we want to see miracles. You know, I've, I've heard this statement a lot lately. I want to see God move. I want to see God move. And when I hear that a couple times with some people I've been talking to, I ask this question. What does that mean? What, what does that look like? When you say you want to see, what do you mean by that? And I kind of get a, a blank stare a little bit because I, I want to know what that looks like. 
Well, as we get through and we see what happened in the early church when they really got unified and come together, we'll see, I think, what that looks like. But Jesus himself prayed that the body of believers would be unified, that we would come together as one body. Listen to this uh, illustration. There was a study done by the American Psychological Association, and it studied 11 major symphony orchestras, orchestras and how they perceived each other. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, and unintelligent, and hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary objective to describe the bass players. Woodwind players seemed to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. You know, I thought about this as I was reading this, and if we went through and kind of defined each other, described each other, somebody described Brother Larry, somebody described Brother Todd, or, or Brother Morris. We, we'd probably use adjectives like this if we were honest, you know, how we, because we're all different. A bit egotistical, interesting findings to say the least. With such a widely divergent of personalities, perceptions, how could an orchestra ever come together to make such wonderful music? The answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians viewed each other, they subordinate their feelings and biases to the leadership of the conductor. When we come together to worship, we should subordinate our biases, our opinions, to the leadership of Jesus Christ. When we subordinate that stuff to the leadership of our conductor, we put aside our opinions and our differences, and we show the world what a unified body of Jesus Christ looks like. Jesus himself prayed for that. And it is manifested through the Holy Spirit. It is manifested through the truth of our faith. I want to read Ephesians, and I have it broken down here as the Holy Spirit and the basics of the faith. You can look at this if you'd like. But I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. This is a prison epistle. He's in prison. And this is what he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness, gentleness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one. I know sometimes you have to bear with me. I had a chance to, to, to teach Wednesday night, and we talked about Christian love. Christian love is not an act of an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's an act of the will. It is an act of the will. It's that thing that says, you know, that brother or sister in the Lord, and this is probably said of me by some of you, they irritate me to death. Let's be honest. We have our own person. God, when he saves us, like, he doesn't change our personalities. He makes us like his son. He strips off those things that are not in line with his word, the sins that we struggle with. But if you're a, like me, I'm a regimented guy. Sometimes I wish I won't. But i got to know the plan. We're going to get here at this time, and we're going to end at this time, and I need to know what the plan is. Okay? But some people just fly by the seat of their pants. I'll get there when I want to get there, and I'll leave when I want to leave. I, I, can't, I, can't do, I can't do that. But that's okay. I can't look at that one and say, ah, they're wrong. And look at me and say, I'm wrong. We all have a worth in the kingdom of God, but we have to bear with one another lowliness and with gentleness and bear with one another. Endeavoring to keep the what? The unity of the spirit. Spirit in the bond of peace. We had a, um, many of you know about the Durham Ministers in Prayer that Pastor was one of the co-founders on. It meets on Tuesday morning. It's, it's ministers from around the city, lay leaders, come together, 
different denominations, different races, para-ministries, and we come together for one reason, and that's to pray for the city. And I've had a chance since I retired to be a part of that. And we had a, a candidate who was running for sheriff to come to that. He wanted to get from, uh, in front of some of the pastors of local churches. This man walks in, and I know him. I worked with him over the years and times past. He's been in some very contentious meetings, I'm sure, through the years. He sits down at the Durham Ministers in Prayer. He don't say one word to us. We don't say one word to him yet. And the first thing out of his mouth is this. There's just a sense of peace in here. That's the Spirit of the Lord. That's the Spirit of the Lord when there's different races, different denominations. Yeah, there's different denominations. And we may break fellowship over some of the minor doctrinal issues, but we come together. We come together as a unified body of Christ at Durham Minister of Prayer under Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the truth, the life. We set aside the other stuff and we lift Him up. And when we do that, there's peace in that. There's peace in that. And Paul went on to say, there's one body, one spirit, just as you called, we're one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And that is the unifying message of the body of Jesus Christ. The source of our unity. The purpose of our unity. Our, uni our unity testifies to the world that Jesus came from God. In that same prayer, Jesus said this in John chapter 17 and verse 21. Right after he said that he hoped that we, he prayed that we would be one, he says this, As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me. Now I've read this scripture many times before, but when I read it this time, I was like, wow. Jesus just said, if we want the world to know that God sent him, that he's the Son of God, that we will see that in the unified body of Jesus Christ. When we come together as one, as one in Bethel, as one as Durham ministers in prayer, as one as, as a church in this nation, as one as a church in this world, people will know there's something about it. What can draw that many different people, different backgrounds, different races together under one thing? It only has to be supernatural. It has to be the God of heaven. And that person that they are unified under Jesus Christ must be the one and only Son of God. What else could do it? And that's what Jesus said. Our unity glorifies God. The next passage right after that in John 17 and 22, he said, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as you are one. When you think about the glory of God, when, when that term is mentioned, the glory of God, I think sometimes we think about this, you know, this bright light over Christ. And you've seen some of the Catholic and, uh, images of Christ and he has that halo over him. That is a symbol of the glory of God. But in this particular passage of Scripture, what the glory means is to make known. It means to leave a favorable impression. And so when we come together and we unify what we're doing, we're making Christ known to the world. That's what he said, that I may be made known through them. That word glorify there, that's what that means. Our unity reveals that Christ dwells within us. In that next verse after that, he said, Jesus said, I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. If we want to be perfect, if the body wants to be made perfect, it has to be made perfect in one. If we're all separate pieces, all separate ministries, all doing our own thing, we'll never be perfect have the perfection that Christ was praying for. That the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. The source of our unity is Christ himself. 
through the Holy Spirit and our faith. It testifies to the world that Jesus came from God. Our unity glorifies God, and our unity reveals that Christ dwells within us. What are the results of our unity? First, we're stronger together. Brother Steve Holder, last week, he said, look, if you're going through a trial, don't withdraw. Don't, don't pull away. You're not going to make it on your own. You're not going to make it. We need each other, and we're stronger together. I've seen what happens. There's been someone that came through our church a few years ago. Life came hard. There was a, there was a sin, and he withdrew. And I met with him, and I said, come back to the church. Come back for the people who love you. Come back to the people who want to restore you. He listened, but it didn't happen, and now I have no idea where he is. That Satan wants nothing more than to get you off on your own. Get you off with your own thoughts, your own attitudes. Get you bitter towards your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Start blaming them for your problems. That's our natural response. It's my natural response. If he can get you isolated, and, and that's what happens. But we're stronger together. Listen to uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes in 4.12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. When we stand in unity, when we stand in harmony, and it's been easy for the Church of America for many, many years, so that's about to change. I don't like what I see changing in the culture. I know you don't like it, but one thing I think is going to happen, it's going to create a strong and unified church because a lot of the things that separated us over the years, denominational, doctrinal issues, race issues, there shouldn't be a black church, a white church, a Hispanic church. All those things are going to go away when the persecution comes. That was happening in the early church, and we're going to come together as one solid church. And we're going to need each other. When I sit down in that Durham Ministers in the Prayer and I look around, yeah, there's some differences in there, but I know this. If, I get, if something comes against me, particularly from, from the world, a satanic attack, I know those men and women in that group are going to pray for me. I know you're going to pray for me. I know you're going to come around me and hold up my hands and, and help me. Our unity makes us stronger. Next, we have a more effective church. We have a more effective church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says this, There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. We all have different gifts, but they're given from the same Spirit. There are, diverse, there are different ministries. There's all kinds of ministries in here. There's children's ministries. We just highlighted them. There's music. There's missions. But the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And right after that, Paul goes on to talk about the gifts of the Spirit that we believe in. The gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. But when those things start to function, it's not for one person. It's for the benefit of this entire church. And, we, and some people function well in that. Some people have those gifts. We all have different ministries. But there's one Lord and there's one Spirit. And if we're not careful what we have, we start looking at our ministry and saying, well, my ministry is more important than that ministry. And this ministry is more important than that ministry. No, it's not. They're all equal. And we should all support all of our ministries. We should all come together and support all of our This is our local body. I'm not talking about Rosa Sharon down the road, or I'm not talking about First Assembly over on Hamlin Road. I'm talking about Bethel Christian Center. We come together to support our body, our ministries here, because they're for the profit. Of all, And then just a, a few verses down, Paul goes on to say this. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. 
For by one spirit you all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a body, it is, there, is it not therefore of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one in them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? If you had to all of a sudden make a choice between, okay, you have to either give up, you have to give up your eyes or your ears or your, or your nose. Which one would you give up? I like all my members. I like my eyes. I like my ears. I like, I like to be able to smell and hear and see. And that's what Paul's saying. Which one would you give up? It makes up the whole body. My ears are no more important than my eyes, no more important than my nose. That children's ministry is just as important to me as, as the missions. It's just as important as the music ministry. The music ministry is just as important as the guys who usher. And when we come together with that spirit, that's where the unity comes from. We start to look at things and look at people, as Paul said, they're more important than me. Not just as important, more important than me. But now indeed there are many members of yet one body, and if the eye and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Mark Evans down at the conference in Georgia. He said this, and, and, and this stuck with me. And he actually said this when we had, our, we had our regional conference here last year. He said this there, and it really stuck with me. And he said it again uh, this time. And I won't give the whole context of what she said. it, But this is what he said. Whales can't fly. Whales can't fly. And what he was saying was this, church. Do what God's gifted you to do. Don't try to be someone else. A whale can't fly. Fish, birds fly. Fish swim. I'm not going to try to be Pastor Don. God made me different from Pastor Don. I'm not going to be Brother Dan. I've been made different. All of you have been made different. Be who God's made you to be. He's gifted you. He's given you things. Don't try to be other people. You be yourself. And let God use you how He's going to use you right where you are. You know, He's not going to change you. He's not going to change your personality. He's going to change you spiritually, but he may not change your personality. I want to give you a real personal example of this, that, that right here in our local church, how we see things differently. This has been several years ago. There was a lady standing right here. Her teenage son was very rebellious. He wasn't coming home half the time. He was being very disrespectful to his mom, and she was broken over it, as you can imagine. And she's standing right there and she's crying. I'm on one side of her. Brother Dan Saldana is on the other side of her. And we're talking with her and we're going to pray with her. And I'm sitting here thinking, as she's saying everything her teenage son is doing, let me tell you what's running through Larry's mind. I'm thinking, I'll tell you what you need to do. This is what's going through my head. You need to pack his stuff. He's 17 years old. You need to pack his stuff and call Brother Todd and get him to change the locks. And when he comes home, his stuff's going to be sitting out on the, on the porch and you're going to have a big sign that says, if you're big enough to act like this, you're big enough to make it on your own. Knock yourself out. That is exactly what's going through my spirit. Okay? But Brother Dan comes up and he says, here's what I want you to do. And I'm thinking, oh boy, he's going to tell her. He goes, I want you to get you a piece of paper. 
and I want you to write his name on this piece of paper, and I want you to put it on your mirror, and every time you see it, I want you to pray for him. I felt about that big spiritually. I'm ready to set him out, let him make it on his own, and here comes Brother Dan says, pray for him. Now, you might say, well, that's been a long time ago. That must have been bothering you. It did bother me. But you know, as I thought about it, were we both right? That's the way God wired me. I'm a personal responsibility guy. Stand up and do what's right. But Dan's a mercy guy. He wants to pray. He wants to see God move and change people's lives. And God will. But, but Dan's not wrong, and I'm not right, and I'm not right, and Dan's not wrong. We just come at this from different perspectives. That's what makes the body of Christ strong. And some could look and say, Brother Dan, he's, he's got it right. He's the one who wants to pray and see God. And it's brother people, I heard I had at least one amen out there. There's one that supports me. He says, he's right. Let him go out there and make it on his own. But what happens is we don't. We get mad and we say, well, ah. we get bitter at each other. We should never let that happen. And I'm not bitter about it, I promise. I didn't let it go a long time ago, Brother Dan. I let it go a long time ago. No, I, had, I did. I thought about that for a while. I said, there's the spiritual giant. Here's this guy that still needs to grow up a little bit. But no, it makes us a more effective church. It reveals to the world that they do not have the monopoly on diversity. You know, that's a buzzword in our culture, diversity. I come out, not long come out of working for the government, everything centers around diversity. And that's okay. I, I, I value diversity. I value different opinions, people who come from different cultures. But, but the world does not have the monopoly on it. The church of Jesus Christ is as diverse as they come. Yes. Paul writing to the church at Galatian. Chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. He said, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ and you are Abraham's seed, it heirs according to the promise Folks, if we're in Christ, we don't see black, white, Hispanic, male, female. And when I say male, female, I don't mean this fluid gender stuff that's going on today. God made them male, female. But what I'm saying is our identity is not first that. My identity is not first as a white man or a black man or Hispanic. My identity is first as in Christ. And my, and my brothers and sisters I look at, in Christ. And that's where the unity comes from. Everybody today is fighting for their cause. Everybody. People are fighting for the black cause, the white cause, the Hispanic cause, the rich cause, the poor cause, the democratic cause, the republican cause. And you know, if, there's, if they're fighting for that because there's injustice, that's okay. Because I'm going to tell you, God is going to deal with injustice. Read the book of Amos. If you've never read the book of Amos, read the book. The whole book is about injustice. It's about, a, it's about the people oppressing the poor people. Our God is not a God of injustice. But for as much as I'm going to fight for this cause, I hope that I will stand up and be counted for the cause of Christ. And we should first put those things aside and first come together and stand for the cause of Christ. Because if we're standing for the cause of Christ, if we're standing on His Word, I can tell you we're on the right side of the issue. We're on the right side of the issue. If you're on this side of the issue, you're on the right side of the issue. Whatever it is. And this speaks to nearly every issue that people are warring over today. This speaks to it. 
I want to be on the right side of the issue. I want to be on the God side of the issue. And the, church, and the world does not have the monopoly on that. I told you I would, I want to, I'm going to close with this, what this looked like in the early church. We talk a lot about the early church. Our culture is very different than what the early church was dealing with. But the principles are the same. The principles are timeless. And in Acts 42 through 47, and I, I'm going to read that momentarily, but what I want to tell you first was Jesus had ascended to heaven. He had told his followers, go tarry in the upper room until you endue with power on high to be my witnesses. The church is about to birth. What we're still a part of today was about to be birthed. And this is what the Bible says about it in Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And I want to stop right there. So here you have this church. It's just getting started. And this is what they center their lives around. The apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine was about Jesus. It was about Jesus Christ come took our sin, crucified, dead, buried, and raised to life. That's the apostles' doctrine. So their whole unity centers around that. And fellowship. That word fellowship there, the Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia. What that word means is unity, sharing, and close association. So when the church first birthed, it comes together under the truth of who Christ is, under unity and close association with each other, with the breaking of bread, eating together, and with prayers. That hasn't changed today, church. we got a lot of other extraneous things going on in the church, but the church, if the church is going to be strong, it's going to be strong around the truth, around our fellowship to, with God and with each other, with socializing together and praying together. And praying together. I want to challenge you to come out. If you've never come out on a Friday night to pray with us, come out and pray with us. I want you to come. And let's pray together. And then I'm going to pick up with chapter 43, and it says, then. Everybody say, then. 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 So after this has happened, then this happens. Which leads me to believe that because of verse 42, then these other things will happen. And I started out by saying, we want to see signs and wonders and miracles. We're Pentecostal. We want to see the church move. We want to see God's manifested presence. And I asked, what does that mean? I'm not sure. Well, how do we get it here? I think this is the answer. We do these things, then, then let's see what happens. Fear came upon every soul. That's not trembling fear. It's the awe of God. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. When they came together in unity in the truth of God, breaking bread together, fellowshipping together, praying together, God began to move. They began to see signs and wonders. All who would believe were together. They had all things in common. All things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst themselves. They gave to each other. Now they had to. It was a little different culture. They were completely under persecution. They didn't have the resources we have. If they didn't give to each other, they would have nothing. But the principle hasn't changed. That we're to give and support each other. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that would be our church today, breaking bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity 
of heart. You know, I looked up that term, simplicity of heart. It just means simple. It means what's important. So for us today, the things, the, how long, what kind of music we listen to or that makes us feel in a worshipful state or how long the service lasts or what color the carpet is or whether you like pastors preaching or whether you like mine or not, doesn't really matter. The simplicity of the simple things. Colin and Madison, you know, are missionaries, my son and his wife, and they had a chance to, to talk with some missionaries who are in Iraq and some of the other parts of the nation where, of the world where they're under per persecution, they have to be careful. And one thing they said is when they come together to talk, they're not fussing over things that we timidly fuss over, like pre-trib, post-trib, how long is your service, do I like the music? They're talking about Christ. Because when your life is on the line, you want to be grounded to what's important. And their lives can be on, their very lives can be on the line for what's, for Christ. And what does it look like when that begins to happen? What does it look like? Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When God begins to move, what I think is going to happen, are we going to see signs and wonders? Yes. I think we're going to see people begin to be saved. And that's what Christ started out with. They're going to know you sent me. They're going to be drawn because of this unity amongst this body of believers. Brother Matt, I'm going to ask you and uh, the uh, team if you'll come forward. A couple things dropped into my spirit while I was going over this message, and I just want to leave them with you. You can write them on your paper if you want. But first, unity is always going to require humility. Unity is always going to require humility. It's going to require you to set aside at times and me to set aside, and I can have them, my opinions, my attitudes on things that don't really matter that much. Unity is going to require humility. And next, generational differences. We talked about how we're different. Generational differences can cause division if there's no honor. Generational differences can cause division if there's no honor. I should always look out at the Brother Don's, the Brother Johnny's, the Brother Morris's, Kay and Bobby. These people have been here, Sister Judy, for years and years and years and honor that. Because we're different in different ways, but we're also different generationally. We've got young all the way to old. But there's strength in that. But what happens there quick, and I can, I can do it as we say, hey, music, that way them young people worship is just, I don't like it. And they can say, ah, that's boring what them old people do now. And we, as long as it's, as long as it's grounded in truth, we should bear with one another. Some of the music, I've been at some places before, one, as what was that one recently, that the music really won't doing it for me. But what's the subject of that statement? Me. It's not doing it for me. I'm never the subject. He's the subject. And I, had to, and I was convicted in that, and I had to say, listen, I, yeah, this music, I don't really don't care much for it, but I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to raise my hands. I don't feel like raising my hands. This music is not moving me to worship, but I'm going to worship my... It's not about me. 
What if, what if we came in and we said, we're, we're not going to have any music today. We're just going to... How many of you read Radical by David Platt? Anybody read that book? Yeah. David Platt said, if all of a sudden God moved over all the ministers in the nation, and, it, and, and they said, we got together and said, you know what? We're going to come in on Sunday morning. We're going to sing one hymn. And then the pastor's going to re- just read the scriptures. And then we're going to pray. That's all that's going to happen. What would happen to church attendance? Would people just say, I'm not going to that. Where's the loud music? Where's the band? Where's this? Where's that? Why do we come? What are we unified in? We come because he's worthy. We come because he's worthy. And that's not to say I love when the music is, when the Spirit's moving through the music. I love it. But if it's not, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm going to ask everyone, if you would, if let's uh, bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you have, but you've drifted away. You've just drifted away. I drifted away one time. But if you've drifted away and he's pulling at your heart, and I'm glad he never quit pulling at mine, he's pulling at yours, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Let me, let me tell you one thing that unifies Christ more than anything. Pe- people are looking for answers today of how we solve the, particularly the racial divide in our nation. When we come to an altar and stand beside each other and place our hands on each other and pray for each other, that's where that divide is broken down. But maybe you're here and you have, you're like, Larry, I need to, I need to rededicate. I'm going to pause for just a minute. And don't let your pride keep you from coming down. You're amongst your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Okay, if you will, let's everyone stand. And we're going to finish, if you're visiting, we finish our services around the altar. We believe in praying for each other. We believe God still heals. We still, God still meets the needs of his people. And so we're going to come. If you'll come and let's gather around the altar. And we're going to finish. We're going to close our service here around the altar. And what I want you to do, if you don't mind, as you come down, I want you to find someone maybe that you don't know that well. We're not a large body. Most of us know each other pretty well because what happens also in our churches, and this is just natural, this is just human nature, we kind of get with our groups where we know each other. That's okay. But, but, but today what I want you to do is I want you to find someone you don't know that well. And I want you to pray for them. I just want you to say, how can I pray for you today? And then you pray for them. Can we do that? So find someone that you don't know and right now and go and let's pray. Let's pray for each other. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the sense of unity that's only found in you and you alone. Lord, as we gather at this altar to pray and seek your face together, Lord, I thank you for the unity that's in Bethel. It's been here. Yes, we have our own attitudes. Yes, we have our own opinions, but we lay them aside for you. And I ask as we pray around this altar, God, that your Holy Spirit would get into flow here that you begin to meet needs. If there's grudges, they'd be broken down. If there's attitudes or opinions, they'll come down. 
and that your love would flow through us and we would show the world. We'll show the world that we're one. Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. First John says, greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Repeat after me. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let me tell you, if you have Jesus Christ, if you have the Spirit of God, greater is He that is within you than He. And that He there that John's speaking about is the Spirit of the Antichrist, Satan, the devil. One more time. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. One more time. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Praise God. I don't think I've heard a better sermon on unity. Larry Smith, thank you so very much. It just blessed me, and it's so good to see everybody. You know, you, you honor me. We come to worship Jesus, but I want Sister Carol. Come up here, Sister Carol. I am what I am because... Mostly because of God. But I am what I am because of this woman right here. <laughs> Praise God. The average stay of pastors today in the church, the average stay, is, you want to guess? How long does a preacher stay once he goes to that church? Less than two years. Almost 51 years. That is amazing. That's just amazing. I want to thank you for coming. I want to thank you because of your love and your, certainly your ministry. And Brother Larry did a wonderful job, recognizes the ministries this morning. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you. No matter what ministry you're in. And a lot of them are back in the other rooms. And they're teaching and ministering to our children and our youth. And we just appreciate that so very much. Now, I hope every one of you will plan on staying. We have catered food in. And I understand there's a lot of it. The only thing I want you to stay away from. My wife fixed me a sugar-free. What kind of pie? Sweet potato. Sweet potato pie. No, you can, you can help. Two, oh, she, she made two of them. But uh, enjoy today and fellowship today. They've set up the, uh, they have set up the uh, tables outside or in the fellowship hall. So please stay with us. We're going to say the grace. Don't forget, if you will, to stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, Sister Christy did such a wonderful job telling about this ministry, the Prison Fellowship International. It is a great great ministry. Father, we love you. 
God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for people that know how to, to love each other. Lord, to say it happens been hard sometimes in these 50 years, Lord, that's just not true. It has been hard. But we never one time wanted to send up the white flag of surrender. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your keeping power. Thank you for this body of believers. Lord, it has touched thousands and thousands of lives around the world. God, I thank you for that. Now we thank you for the food. We thank you, Lord, for the hands that prepared it. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. And uh, we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Do we know which way we're going to go? Help me out, somebody. Who, who's in charge? Just go to the doors of foods to the left. Go to the doors and the food is to the left. Okay. Turn around, shake hands, and be real friendly.